Welcome to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer, the podcast that aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. This week, I'm looking at accountability. When it comes to creative writing, accountability is part of the process, even if you do try to ignore it or avoid it. In my experience, particularly with my most recent novel, I've discovered three areas where accountability shows up. Number one, where you are in your story. Number two, the deadline. And number three, your mindset. Recently, I finished writing the revised version of a story that I began quite a few years ago, but for various reasons I hadn't finished it. One of those reasons I couldn't finish it was because of the timing of it. I had an idea during the writing challenge of NaNoWriMo, but couldn't do anything with it, so just wrote its outline, knowing I would go back to it later. I then continued with the NaNo story because I was committed to it for the month. After NaNo was over, I collected as much energy as I had left, because NaNo is exhausting and one of the reasons why I don't do it anymore, and I wrote out about 35,000 words. At that point, I believed the story was complete. It was, after all, a short novella as it stood, but I knew I would go back to it later at some point because it still felt like a bigger story, even though I couldn't add anything to it at that time. I didn't realise that the later would be around eight years. During that time, I wrote a couple more novels, published a non-fiction book or two, and completed a six-year degree with the Open University. Afterwards, Covid hit. We lost a couple of family members, and then my own mortality became really clear. It hit me like a brick through a window that I wasn't going to be around forever. So one day I went through my laptop and took another look at the outstanding works in progress that were still sitting in my documents. I realised that while I knew someday I'd go back to these works in progress, if I didn't do something about them sooner rather than later, I might actually leave this earth without finishing them, and that would not do. While it sounds pretty morbid, it's also a fact. So the motivation behind finishing the stories was strong. I found one that was particularly exciting. The story was fairly complex and I wanted to simplify it because if I, the writer, found it complex, chances were the readers would too. Nobody enjoys a complex story because they tend to put it down and never pick it up again and no writer wants that. It was a romantic read and one that I recall thinking was publishable when I first had the idea. You get the idea, some stories beg to be written but are better left on your laptop or included as a short story within an anthology of other stories of a similar theme. Other stories lend themselves to be a fit for a bigger audience. Maybe they have something topical within them or are worth serialising. You often know this right at the start, but other times it becomes clear only after it's been completed. To do a good job with this story, though, it needed to be written properly, not the rushed jobby I did eight years ago. Reading it last summer, it was clear that the writing was rushed, the characters underdeveloped, and questions were overlooked. The plot was a bit fuzzy too, but looking back, that was probably because it hadn't yet been fleshed out. In a nutshell, synopsis was good, but it needed time and attention. And back then, time was what I didn't have, so I was thankful for writing that elaborate outline because that actually gave me plenty to play with. To jump on the first thing I said I'd talk about, where you are in your story, this story had legs. 
I often use that description if the idea excites me when it comes into my head and later down the line after it's been written it still excites me. If it does that both times then yes it has legs. Being motivated by an idea means that chances are you'll be carried through the writing process right to the end. You need plenty of that to write a novel. Energy is one thing but, in my experience, you need stamina to get to the end of writing it too. Novels are marathons, not sprints. You're there for the long haul because you're focusing on pace, plot, flow, tone, character development, structure and storytelling. There's a lot to include. Where you are in your story isn't just about the part you're at, it's also about keeping yourself knowledgeable of the questions you've raised and, much later on, answering them. It's about the continuity of the characters' motives, their looks and behaviours. That's not just one character, that's all of them. It's how they engage with the other characters. It's also about knowing what to include in the story. Often you don't know this part until you've finished it and you're going over it during editing. Repetitions and plot holes can stick out like a sore thumb at that point, while other bits go wholly unnoticed until somebody else casts their eyes over it. The part I was at when I started revising the story was at the 35,000 word mark. I'd originally jotted down what the story was about, gone into slight detail about the characters, but not a huge amount, and what I wanted to happen. It was all there but glossed over. At the time, I believed the story was completed, but it wasn't until I reread it that I realised, with what I now know, I could turn a quite short novella into a good-sized novel. Then there's the research. The story was written nearly a decade ago, and there were a few tech things that have changed in that time, so needed altering. This part in itself can cause issues because tech can date a story. In the original version, there was no mention of social media, but the current version does and it needs to be there because it needs to feel realistic. My characters would use social media or at least have it mentioned within the story. The thing is, as it moves so fast, it may prove to be a problem for future readers because something like Twitter might not even be a thing anymore. But I needed to take that chance. Similarly, in the early 2000s, I wrote a novel that mentioned the iPod. Back then it was still a new thing, but thankfully it stuck around, so taking a chance can work in your favour sometimes. There was a big medical theme that ran through this one, a coma. I had some knowledge of this due to a close family member being in one, and who thankfully came out of it a week later. But I didn't have knowledge of it from a medical point of view, only a family member's perspective. This had to be researched. Thankfully, I know a couple of medical professionals who were able to help out with the research. While I was mindful and respectful of the information they gave in an answer to my questions, I still had to make the information fit the story. So some of this was gleaned from my own experience, other parts from their answers, and some from my own imagination to fit the story. Then more research was needed because there was a conversation between my characters and the police. Dialogue had to be right, using words the police would use, Thankfully, I have, again, several friends who are or were police officers, so I sent them a few emails with questions that needed answering. Again, I had to use artistic licence, like I did with the coma information, to make it work for the story. Another part of the research was in the form of locations. The story takes place in two parts of the world, London in the UK and Massachusetts in the US. 
When I wrote the original story, I was going mostly from memory about where locations and venues were in the US, but now I needed to ensure places were within walking or driving distance. All those had to be checked, so I used Google Maps and the internet as well as my own memories. Thankfully, most of my US holidays have been in places that are often off the beaten track, and because I know I'll use the information in a novel at some point, I make notes or take photos. Being accountable for any inconsistencies with the storytelling or with research are two things most writers will want to get right. If you don't, you can bet your bottom dollar a reader will jump all over the book when they come to review it. And in the world we now live in, reviews are vitally important. What people think of your books, your services, your products is often the first thing a potential customer will look for. I wouldn't want someone to not buy the book just because I wrote the location slightly out of whack. So that's where you are within the story. Next is the deadline. Because I wanted to ensure the story was written and ready for editing and beta readers as soon as possible, I had to put a plan in place. Remember I picked the story up in the summer? Well, in my impatience, I thought, I know, I'll get it out in time for Christmas since there's a festive theme that runs right through it. That was an impossible task. However, it's not impossible for next Christmas. So I decided to dissect the story, rebuild it, then begin the editing process before the end of the year. That gave me six months. Easy peasy. Technically, yes it was, but in real life, no it wasn't. It took a lot of time, effort, discipline, commitment and stamina to reach that point. Setting a timeline was the first task in meeting the deadline. I had to be accountable to this because without the timeline, the story could very easily fall by the wayside and become yet another work in progress sitting in my laptop all over again. I needed to keep my head in the game too. You might have heard me talking about using specific actors' faces for my characters. We t I talked about it last week on The Versatile Writer and other times too. Essentially, I find an actor whose face might fit a character and use that visual assistance as a springboard to help me from the, form the personality of the character. Because I'm quite a visual person, I need that prompt to help get the story moving. I like to have a sort of a storyboard or a family tree style photo album in my phone so I can look at the actor in different movies or different poses with different clothing and that kind of thing because it helps my mind compartmentalise what they're doing when they're supposed to be doing it. I consider this method a writing resource and it's something I've come to rely upon. The same goes for any dreams I have about the story or the actor or the character. Once I wake up and remember the dream, I write it out and often it finds itself in, as a scene within the novel. It's not unheard of with my writing, it's simply my subconscious fighting my corner and I consider it another writing resource. I wonder how many unique writing resources your mind has conjured up to help you in your pursuit of writing. I'd love you to let me know. So once I had my own timeline set, the characters' faces and their family tree style album sorted out and the story's timeline, I was ready to go. To hold myself accountable to this timeline, I sought the help of another writer, author Sarah Dodd. I asked her if she was interested in holding me accountable and gave her all the info and she said yes. This was around the end of October when I'd got to the middle and was approaching the end of the rewrite and I was starting to fade a bit. I knew that if I asked her to hold me accountable, I wouldn't allow myself to let go. I also asked her to motivate me when it sounded like I needed it. 
and that I would send her nightly accounts of my progress. I say nightly because I work better at night, so she would see it the next morning. Thank you again, Sarah Dodd. Sarah's name on Twitter is at Sarah J Dodd, and she's the author of several books, including Keeper of Secrets. Do look her up. Sarah agreed to all of it, and in thanks, I told her I'd give her a mention in the acknowledgements when I published the book. The same sentiment went to the doctor and the police officer. Sarah knows that I live with anxiety, and she also knows that I tend to push myself a lot harder than maybe I need to at times. This episode of The Versatile Writer should tell you that much. Because of this, Sarah asked me to agree to suggestions of stepping away from the novel for a day or so, if it sounded like I needed a break. I agreed. I mention this part because I'm prone to episodes of obsession or hyperfocus, and even rewriting the novel in the first place begun an episode of hyperfocus. Usually, hyperfocus isn't a bad thing, but when you're running towards a deadline with it, it can eat you up. If you have an addictive personality like me, it can become all-encompassing. I talked about this at length in the last episode of The Versatile Writer. Do listen in because it might well speak to you. I only mention the hyperfocus because it brings me nicely onto the last area I want to cover today. Your mindset. Our minds are both powerful and fragile at the same time. Sarah realised this and because of some things we've discussed in the past, she was trying to protect me from myself and I utterly appreciate that. However, I also know that when you're inside an episode of it and you're heading towards a deadline, sometimes it's best to grab hold of all the energy your body's giving you, all that focus and that euphoria, and run with it because it's tougher to complete writing a novel to a deadline without it. So that's what I did. I finished the rewrite and the first edit a week before Christmas. The story was over, the characters' motivations were met and questions were answered. The only thing left to consider was whether a sequel was justified, but did the characters need it, just so I could spend more time with them? I mean, yes, they could go on to another adventure, and it didn't detract from the current novel. It's something I'm thinking about, especially as I go through another edit soon. After that edit, I will send the story out to beta readers, reflect on their feedback, then send it to an editor before going through it a final time by which time I will have sourced a cover and be preparing myself for publishing. That's the upside of hyperfocus. The downsides to it are the euphoria you experience and the stamina, and I talked about this in my last episode of The Versatile Writer, was that you're left with a whole load of emotions that can go nowhere. I fell in love with at least two of the characters in my story, probably four. And bearing in mind there were two sets of five characters, with one character being the link between them all. That's a lot of emotion. If you're not in touch with your emotions or your empathy as much as me, this might all sound a little bit dramatic. But if you're not afraid of engaging with them, perhaps all this might make some sense to you. But saying our minds are both powerful and fragile doesn't seem to give it the gravitas it deserves. You remember this superhero being told, with great power comes great responsibility? Well, I think that applies to novel writing too. You're putting your reputation on the line each time you write one. You fall in love with a character, you write them a story, you publish it for an audience to enjoy. They don't have to buy your book, but if you do your job right, they will. They'll read your words and hopefully they'll fall in love with your characters too. And that right there is a responsibility. It's a responsibility to your audience to give them something worth parting with their money for. 
and it's a responsibility to yourself for investing all that time and effort into writing the story in the first place that it pays off. I choose that term, that it pays off, to refer to the story holding together more than the sale of it. You don't get a lot of control over whether people buy it or not. You can do a lot to get them to think about it, but the actual sale is their choice. You have way more control over the creation of the story, though. Afterwards, you have to be kind to yourself when the novel's finished. You have to find something that rests your mind, whether that be planning another novel or doing something else. I chose to be to read someone else's novel, something completely different from my own. I also knitted some scarves for charity and continued some online professional studying over the Christmas period. Those who know me well know I'm not one to sit idle for very long, and resting your mind doesn't necessarily mean leaving it to do nothing, although you can, and why shouldn't you? For me, though, I know if I rest it and do nothing, darkness seeks a home, and we don't want that. I hope you've got something out of this episode of The Versatile Writer. If you want to share your thoughts on it, why not join the podcast's Facebook group? The link's in the show notes. Alternatively, just type the Versatile Writer podcast group into Facebook. Also, why not like, subscribe and share this episode with your family and friends or those on social media? It might be just what they need to hear today. If you do, please tag me in. I'm Sarah Bannum on Facebook, at SJBWrites on Twitter and SJBannum on Instagram. Until next time, thanks again for listening to the Versatile Writer on the topic of accountability.